first five verses this morning. It says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly await the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Only faith working through love. Uh, This is an amazing portion. This really is the summary of the whole of Galatians. The theme of Galatians is summarized in these verses. And as we've already seen, as we've studied this book over the last couple of months, Paul is over and over again saying to these Christian friends of his that they shouldn't fear any condemnation, they they don't need to keep the law, that we are made righteous, that is, made acceptable to God, because of faith in Christ and nothing else. Not our culture, not our morality, not our color of our skin, not the language that we speak. Nothing of those things count except that we put our faith in Jesus. That's what counts. And so he's trying to free these people in their thinking that they don't come again under this slavery that um, he's been talking to them about, which has been introduced by these legalists that have come into the church. And he's been urging them, saying, don't go back, don't go back, don't go back. Now, I've um, discovered this over the years, that when you preach this gospel, when you say to people that all you need to do is believe in Jesus, and that makes you acceptable to God, there's this reaction from people. That's too good to be true. It can't be that easy. If I believe that, I could live any way I choose. (laughs) That's the objections that people raise to the preaching of the gospel. And um, when you first hear the gospel message, it does appear at first glance to remove any incentive to live a holy life. If all that we need to do is believe in Jesus, what incentive is there for us to live a holy life? And that's why over the many centuries of church history, sometimes the church has felt that they need to tone down the message of the gospel so that people don't just live any way they want. <laughs> and so we have a situation in church history where sometimes people have added a little bit of rule and law so that they kind of keep people in line. And the, the church feels that they need to do that. Well, if we really understand the gospel, and I trust that we are all beginning to understand the gospel a little bit more deeply as we study Galatians, you would realize then that this passage that we read this morning is absolutely critical. Because in this passage, Paul wants us to understand that the grace of God, the good news of Jesus, that frees all of us from fear and from condemnation, that same gospel also leads us to want to obey God and please Him and not simply please ourselves. And that's what Paul is saying in this portion. If we really understand the freedom that we have in Christ, if we really understand the freedom of grace, 
if we really understand the freedom that Christ has brought us in all that He achieved for us on the cross, we will want to live for Jesus, we will want to obey God, and there's an automatic inside-out desire to please God in how we live that is not legislated by law. That's a beautiful thing. And Paul wants us to understand that. So I've got some very simple points for you this morning. The first is this. The title of my, of my message is For Freedom. <laughs> because that's what Paul is saying. You see, he reminds us in a very, very clear way again of this amazing uh, freedom that we have been set free for. That's what he says. For freedom, Christ has set us free. And so the first thing he reminds us of again in this chapter is the amazing freedom that we have been given through Jesus. And he says it in a very um, emphatic, strong way. The Greek is even more um, strong than the English. The Greek says, for freedom Christ freed you. It's emphatic, it's definite, it's almost triumphalistic. For freedom Christ freed you. And so both the noun and the verb are about freedom. So I say to you this morning that everything about the Christian life is about freedom. Freedom from sin. Freedom from fear. Freedom to live well. It's about freedom. That's why Christ has come. All of Christ's message is summarized in this thing of freedom. He came to set the captives free. He quoted Isaiah. He rolled up the scroll and he quoted Isaiah. Why? Because he knew he had come to free people from slavery. Slavery to death, slavery to sin, slavery to fear, slavery to not being able to change. He came to set us free from all of those things. His whole ministry, Jesus' ministry, is about freedom. And the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to bring you and I increasingly into more and more freedom in our lives. The church's ministry should be put to put... Um, to help people move into freedom in their lives, not put bondage on people, not put rules on people, not increase condemnation, free people from condemnation. Yes, please. This is the gospel. And it's very interesting to me because after Paul so strongly says it's for freedom that Christ has set us free, he equally strongly says this, that we can lose our freedom. Do you notice that? The second half of chapter 1. He says, stand firm. And so, even though he's saying that this freedom comes to us as a gift that is given to us from Christ, from heaven itself, he's saying we have to stand firm in that freedom because it's fragile and it can slip from our grasp. And there's at least two things that I'd like to say to you this morning about that. We must stand firm, number one. We've got to learn to stand firm. And there's an interesting parallel here for me between uh, religious freedom and political freedom. Have you noticed that in our parliament, people are always debating about what it means in this country to live under the rule of law and what that means and what freedom means under the law of the land? Have you noticed that? We spend a lot of time talking about political freedom. Why? Because politicians are aware that all over the world, history shows us that political freedom can be lost quite easily. All you need is a dictator to arise and no one to say anything, and then suddenly political freedom, which is a, ma- a magnificent, ma- magnificent thing, can be easily lost. Paul is saying the same thing. It's a, like a parallel thing. He's saying the freedom we have in Christ is magnificent. It's, it's given to us as a gift. It's a wonderful blessing. But we need to stand firm in it, because if we don't, it can slip from our grasp. And so... 
He says that again in 1 Corinthians 16. He says that again in Philippians 1.27. And so it really is, when he says stand firm, it's like a military word. It's like an army word. What it means is, it mixes together these ideas. Keeping alert, standing guard, being strong, resisting attack, sticking together. When he says stand firm in your freedom, that's what he's saying saying, resist attack on your freedom. Keep alert. Be strong. Stand together. Stand firm in the freedom that you have. And so, that idea that we've already been saved, that's assured, comes at the same time with this other idea that we must be diligent. We must remember to rejoice in the freedom that we have. We must remember to encourage each other in the freedom that we have. That we live arm in arm, standing side by side, keeping each other free in the gospel, that uh, the freedom that Christ has brought for us in the gospel. And most of all, you know if you've been in this church any length of time, that I preach you cannot lose your salvation. Once saved, always saved. If you are truly saved by grace, you can never fall away from grace. Never. But you can lose your freedom. You can give in to fear. You can live in a place that is not God's best for you. You're saved, but you're not living in God's best for you if you give in to legalism, if you give in to slavery of fear in your life. And so, I would point you to um, what John says in his letter, 1 John 2.19. And he says this of anyone who seems to turn away from faith permanently. He says this, They were not of us. If they had been, they would have continued with us. This is what John is saying. This is what Paul says over and over again. The point is simple. Christians that are truly saved by grace show that they are saved by grace by continuing to trust in grace in their lives. Moment by moment, day by day, trusting in the grace of God. And John is saying, if you fall away from grace, you never really were saved by it, and you never really have understood it. Once saved, always saved, if you truly understand the grace of God. And if you live by the grace of God, that would be true for you and true for me. I'm not accusing anyone, I'm just preaching what I believe is true, right? And that's why Paul says, we'll see later in verse 10, he says... Of the, of the Galatians, I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. In other words, he knows they're saved. He knows they're being, they're being battered by these bullies that have come into the church. He's encouraging them to stand firm in the freedom that they have, and he's saying, I know that you know this is true. I, I can see it in your life. I'm confident that in the end, the grace of God will be supreme in your hearts and in your life. It's a beautiful thing. So that's the first thing I want to say. We have to stand firm in our freedom. I want to encourage you, don't let anyone put stuff on you. As a Christian, you live free. Don't let me put stuff on you. You live free. You are free by the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes, that's what Christ has brought for you. Together, we encourage each other in 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 the freedom that we have, and we live for the kingdom as we stand arm in arm. Secondly, the second implication for us in, in, in this little portion is that keeping any kind of religion is slavery. That's what Paul is saying. Keeping any kind of religion is slavery. Uh, He makes this point again by reflecting back on what he said in Galatians 4. Do not go back again to the burden with a yoke of slavery. And it's interesting, I was just doing some reading uh, and um, 
the Judaism of Paul's time used to talk about taking on the study of the law and the practice of the law of Moses as taking and coming under the yoke of Moses. That's the language they used to use. Coming under the yoke of the law. And Jesus, if you know Jesus, uh, what he, what he, uh, as he stood against the Pharisees and the early church, both saw the yoke that was put on the people of Israel by the teachers of the law as slavery. Jesus used those words. Matthew eleven twenty nine. What does he say? Take my yoke upon you, not the yoke of the Pharisees. Take my yoke upon you, not the yoke of the lawgivers, those are living by a moral code. Don't take that yoke upon yourself. If you take my yoke upon you, my, bur- my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's what Jesus says. He says it's going to bring you freedom if you embrace what I'm saying. If you embrace all that stuff about living by rules, it's going to be slavery for you. Don't embrace that, Jesus says. What does uh, Luke say in, in Acts 15? He says, Now therefore, he asks this question, Why are you putting God to the test? By placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been ever been able to keep. That's what the early church says. Why are you putting this stuff on people? We've never been able to keep it. No one has ever. And you're putting this yoke upon God's people. You're taking this burden and putting it on God's people. Jesus says, take the yoke off. My burden is light. If you walk by my spirit, it's light. It's easy. It's joyful. It's happy. And so Paul's point is that these Galatians are again in danger of putting themselves under this yoke. And he's saying, don't do that. Don't go back. In fact, it's just the most disturbing point of this verse is that Paul says, don't do that again. Why does he say don't do that again? Because remember, the Galatians were pagans. They were not Jews. They were pagans. They were idol worshippers. If you've seen uh, Gladiator, what does Gladiator do every evening? Not seen Gladiator? He has a little shrine. The character that Russell Crowe um, plays. He has a little shrine, and he takes out the little statues of his, de- his dead wife and his children, and he prays to the gods. That's what he does. Remember? And right at the end, there's that uh, scene in uh, the Colosseum where one of the other characters brings him those little things, and he puts it in the, in the, sta- the sand in the Colosseum, and he says, now I'm going to see this. You will see the, your family in heaven in, in, in eternity. Do you remember you don't watch movies. <laughs> what, so they were pagans worshipped idols. That's what they did. And so it's this, this is what Paul is saying. He's saying, you were pagans once, and you worshipped those idols. Don't go back to that. And then he's actually saying a radical thing. He's saying, if you live by rules, it's, it's, it's slavery just like worshipping idols. That's what he's really saying. He's saying, pagan worship and moral religious law-keeping are exactly the same thing. They are slavery, both of them. Living by faith is a completely different thing. Walking by the Spirit is a completely different thing. And so he's saying, don't go from being an amoral liberal to becoming a moral conservative. It's the same thing. It's still slavery. In the one, you are slave to your own impulses, your own desires, your own sense of what is right and wrong. 
In the other, you are slave to someone else's set of rules and someone else's mor- mor- morality, and you're trying to keep that. You're a slave. In the one system, you're a slave. In the other system, you're a slave. The way of grace is completely different. That's what Paul's trying to get them to understand. Picking on you, Jill. Jill is wearing a daffodil. Why is that interesting? Because people signal things to other people by very small little signs, don't they? A daffodil. What does it signal to us? She's very chuffed that Wales won. That's the national flower of Wales. Other people wear an English rose. Other people wear a springbok. Other people wear a national USA. Or Small little symbols can mean big things for people. What is Paul saying here? He's saying there's a very small thing that you can give into that's going to mean a big thing for you if you don't, if you don't um, be careful. He's saying if you give into a small thing, circumcision, that is going to signify for you embracing a whole world view that you don't want to be under. And so that's what Paul says. Don't give in to being circumcised. He's very bold in talking about it. He says, if you accept circumcision, then Christ will be of no advantage to you. That's a radical thing. Paul is saying, if you come under the law, Jesus is of no advantage to you whatsoever. And you're going to go back to this expense of being anxious, guilty, burdened, as you were when you were first a pagan. Never being sure that you're good enough. Never being sure that you're pleasing God. Do you want to go back to that? He says, if you go back and be circumcised, that's what you're going back to. And so, it's really an either-or decision for the Galatians, and it's really for you and I as Christians, it's an either-or decision as well. Will Christ be our treasure? Will Christ be the highest aim of our hearts? Will Jesus be the person that we're desiring above all else? Or will we subtly give into rules in our own life, whether they're our own rules or trying to live by someone else's system of rules? It's the same decision for us as it was for the Galatians. So then, can I just take the last five minutes, ten minutes? Paul says, what are the benefits? He says, if you give into circumcision... Christ is of no advantage to you. So I thought about this this week. Well, what are the advantages of Jesus then? If Paul says, if you come under circumcision, Christ is of no advantage to you, I want to know in the gospel, in the freedom of Christ, what are the advantages of Jesus? Here are some advantages of knowing Jesus. One, Christ teaches you. First advantage that we have in the gospel is that Jesus teaches us. He shows us things that we need to know. And he's so gracious every time we ask him, he shows us. He speaks to us through his word, through the power of his Holy Spirit, through other people. He, he helps us, he so teaches us that we grow in wisdom. He gives us his mind. You have the mind of Christ, the scripture says. So to know Jesus in the way that I'm trying to describe to you this morning means that we live on him, that we feast on him. Not on tradition, not on law, not on rules. Not on the books that we read. I said to you last week, you know, I think there are many good things that people write. The um, downside is that everybody is writing a book now. <laughs> Everyone's writing a book about everything, whether they know anything about that subject or not. And the internet makes books available by the millions. Jesus is our teacher. I'm not saying don't read, I read a lot. 
But I'm saying, let Jesus be your teacher. Let him instruct you. He says, if you ask him, he will teach you. He is kind, he's gracious, he's going to do that. Secondly, Christ feeds our hearts. He not only teaches us, but he feeds us. Our inner person. I said at the wedding yesterday, uh, the, the, the scripture talks about the inner person of the heart. And when Paul is praying in Ephesians 3, he says to the church, I pray that on the inside of you, the inner person of your heart, you will be strengthened with power by the Holy Spirit in order that you might know the blessings of God. That's what he says. There's something on the inside of us that is not decaying. It is obvious to all of you that the, my outer body, this shell, is decaying. It's getting older. I lost my hair ages ago. I can't run as fast as I used to. I get stiff when I play football. Why? Because my outer body is decaying. But the, the scripture says, on the inside of you, there's an inner personality that does not die. And that's what Paul says. Christ wants to feed that inner person. On the inside of you, the, the hidden person of the heart. That's what uh, Philippians says. The hidden person that no one else sees, Christ wants to feed that part of you on the inside of you. That's, that's when you know joy. That's when you know true life. That's when you know true peace. And Christ enables you to have the feeling that you are in control of your life, that your life is not out of control, that your life is not just wild and all over the place. No, why? Because He's feeding you on the inside. First advantage of knowing Jesus, he teaches you. Second advantage, he feeds you. Third, he enables you to, and guides your decision making. How many of you want to live wisely? Feast on Jesus. Feast on him. He will enable you to, to be wise in the decisions that you make. He knows where he's leading you. All you have to do is ask him. Lastly, he shapes our circumstances. Uh, you might, you, you, this is one of the hard ones to get your head around. But I believe whatever happens in your life, God is still in control. He's always sovereign. He, he's sovereign all the time. And I've spent time speaking about these things. Even when the, the situation is hard, even when we're going through a difficult time, God is still, still sovereign. And His mercy comes to us through His sovereign hands. He's always holding us in His hands, which are sovereign in our lives. And so Paul's point, why does then does he say you are severed from Christ? Is he saying you're going to lose your salvation? No, remember he's talking about living a godly life. He's, he's, he's talking about the benefits of knowing Jesus. He's saying if you go back to the law, if you give into circumcision, you are severing yourself from the grace of God in your life. Christ can't teach you if you're under the law. Because you're looking to the law. You're looking not to Jesus, you're looking to the law. You're not looking to the Spirit, you're looking to the rules. Christ can't teach you. Christ can't give you wisdom. Why? Because the wisdom you want is from the law. It's from the rules. It's not from the Spirit. Are you getting what I'm saying? So he's saying in a real way, you sever yourself from the channels of grace in your life if you put yourself under the rules. Don't put yourself under the rules. Live by the Spirit and then Jesus can be your teacher. And in a real sense, Paul is saying, as I said last week, that legalism is sin and it's a disaster for us as believers to put ourselves back under legalism. Once we are saved by grace, we continue to grow by grace and we continue to trust in grace every moment of every day. And lastly, my last point, verse 3. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that is obligated 
to keep the whole law. <laughs> what is Paul saying? You can't be picky. You can't be picky. If you want to put yourself under the law, the whole law. Then obey the whole law. You know, I've come across Christians in my, in my walk with Jesus that actually they, they seem to admire the Mosaic law. But really when you speak to them, what they really admire is only certain things in the law. And normally it's the moral law. Normally they're the kind of people that are very concerned to point out how we are called to obey the moral law. And the highest rule for these kind of people that can be broken is the rule of adultery. Sexual sin for them is very, very, very... It's at the top of sins. And they love to point out to everyone else, you should not commit adultery. I found this about religious people. They're often of the worst kinds of gossip, the worst slanderers, and the most hateful people in the world. And they love to point out everybody else's faults and tell everybody else what they should be doing. And yet it's not really true in their own lives. I want to say to you, if you really listen to Jesus, if, you, if we really are walking by the Spirit, I promise you that Jesus will show you things that are not even in the law. <laughs> Why? Because his, his, his view is much higher. I've said this to you before. Jesus doesn't just say, don't commit adultery. <laughs> Jesus says, if you look at someone with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery with her. His way is much higher than the law. And it's impossible to live like that without the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. Are you with me? Let's not go back to this thing of, oh, we admire... You know, there's pressure to do it. I, I don't know how much stuff on the internet I see from Christians trying to get me to respond and say that I need to do things for Israel. Have you ever thought about that? Israel is still special in God's heart, but the church is the new Jerusalem, is the new Israel. And there's so much pressure on Christians to be doing stuff for Israel. <laughs> I don't get it. It's not the gospel. Do we love everybody? Yes, we do. Do you want to see the kingdom come everywhere? Yes, we do. But don't put law on people. Are you with me? Now I've offended some people. I know I have. And, you know, there's things of, we must observe Jewish festivals. There's pressure on us even to do that. I've, 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 people send me emails that we need, to, um, we need to be looking at celebrating the Passover and all that stuff. I'm going, Really? Really? Do you know what the scripture says? It is for freedom that Christ has set us free from all those things. Paul said it in Galatians 4. Holy days, religious festivals. We are free. <laughs> oh dear. How to make friends and influence people. I want to say, of course there's nothing wrong with God's law. There's nothing wrong with God's law. Of course it's good not to commit adultery. <laughs> of course it's good not to get angry. 
Of course, it's good to, in the, to live your life in a way that honors God in that way. My point is simply this. Remember, those who loved the law most, those that were the most religious, those that they were also the most hateful. Why do I say that to you? Because when they were taking Jesus to the cross, the Pharisees were still plotting how they could keep the law and kill Jesus at the same time. Read the story. Oh, we can't do this because it must be by the beginning of the Sabbath. Let's, let's make the plan now to kill him now so that we can observe the law and what the Sabbath rules are. That's what they did. So let's not pick and choose about what we want to observe. Let's just say goodbye to the law, all of it. And Paul is saying the first sign of that is that you give in to circumcision. And it's going to be a disaster if you do that. And then lastly, what does he say in verse 5? For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. What is Paul saying? He's saying if you want to live a godly life, if you want to please God, how do you do that? You persist by faith and you wait in eager anticipation for the righteousness that God is giving you. This is a very, very important thing to understand. He's not talking about when Jesus comes back. He's not saying we, we wait in eager with joyful hearts for the righteousness that is to come. He's not talk, pointing forward to, to Jesus coming, the second coming. He's talking about godly living. He's talking about th- this phrase, the hope of righteousness, is actually a phrase that's talking about a godly life. And he's saying, can I pa- paraphrase it for you? He's saying, is it by the law that we can expect to live a godly life? No, it's not by the law that you can expect to live a godly life, that you wait for a holy life. What is he saying? He's saying, actually, the way to live a godly life, how do you do that? By faith and by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's how you live a godly life. And so, I want to say it again. Having begun by the Spirit, Galatians, we read it in the first chapter. Are you now giving into the law? Having begun by the Spirit, continue in the Spirit. Continue to be walking by the Spirit. Having begun in faith, continue to walk in faith. That's what Paul is saying over and over, so many different ways. And so, I want to put it to you this morning that the most brilliant part of what Paul is saying is that you and I can live in a relaxed happy, unstressed way in our lives. Why? Because we are sons and heirs. Galatians 4.17 Because of Jesus, you and I are fully sons, fully heirs. And we are waiting to be welcomed into the Father's arms when we get to heaven. And so you and I can live in the most relaxed way here on earth because we know that's our inheritance that is to come. And so you don't have to work yourself up and be very anxious about living a godly life. Why? Because it's happening on the inside of you by the power of the Holy Spirit as you simply trust Jesus day by day. As you simply say, Holy Spirit, today, please just show me how I must live. Help me in this situation. Help me with that situation. You don't have to be anxious. You don't have to be anxious. You're not obeying anybody's rules. You simply live by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Paul says, that's how you live a godly life. That's how you, you eagerly await the righteousness, that God, the godly thing that God is doing on the inside of you. You await it joyfully, eagerly, knowing that God is doing it anyway, that you just cooperate with the Holy Spirit by obeying Him, and that's all that you need to do. That is good news. You don't have to be stressed and intense all the time. God, am I doing your will? Mm. 
People, we get like that, don't we? And what we're really saying is, I need some little rules to help me make sure that I'm doing God's will. No, you don't need. You just need the voice of God and you are saying, this is the way, walk in it. Amen. That's what you need. People say it's too easy. It is easy! That's why it's not religion. Because religion says, you must obey these things, you must do all this work to earn God's favor. The gospel says, you already have God's smile on your life. You already have His favor on your life. Enjoy it. Relax. Enjoy your life, knowing that you're going to your Father in heaven, and let the Holy Spirit change you from the inside. That's why it's called good news. Because it is good news. So can I finish with this? You are loved and honored by God now, as much as you will be when you are perfectly radiant and glorified in heaven one day. Can you get your head around that? God sees you like that right now. And so you can, by persisting in faith and cooperating with the Holy Spirit in your life, that glory that is coming, that you know is coming for you in heaven one day, enables you to live in a relaxed, happy, free, content way on earth right now. And you can learn to develop this attitude in your heart, this free kind of sense inside of you, and delight in that freedom, because you know that's what God has bought for you through Jesus. It's wonderful. You can live peacefully now. And I would encourage you, the last thing that um, Paul says can become a little anthem for your life and my life. Neither circumcision nor circumcision counts for anything. The only thing that counts, what does he say? The last verse is faith working through love. That's what he says counts for all of us. The only thing that counts is faith responding to what God says, working through our lives in love. That's what pleases God. That's what it means to live a godly life. Amen? Can you stand with me? We're going to pray. I'm going to ask if you need any prayer. If you know there's some areas in your life that you are still laboring under fear, whatever it is, the ministry team is here. I'll pray with you as well. The ministry team is here. We'd love to pray with you afterwards. Not trying to get you to be introverted or manufacture anything on if there's nothing that's great. But we, we're going to just trust that God is going to continue to lead us as a church into knowing more and more of what it means to be free in Jesus and learning to walk by the Spirit. All right? So if you'd like to respond, I just want to ask you to raise your hands. Just as a sign of saying, Jesus, I want to receive the fullness of what you have for me. There's nothing magical in it. It's just a, a sense of being submitted in our hearts. Father, we want to thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the power of your word to transform our thinking. And Jesus, as we stand before you now, we simply stand as, as your sons and daughters. We stand grateful, thanking you for all that you've done through Jesus. And Lord, we want to throw off everything that hinders us in our, in our thought life, in our understanding of what your amazing freedom is that you've brought for us in the, in, in the good news of Jesus. We don't want to go back again to any kind of slavery. We thank you it's for freedom that you freed us. And we want to enjoy in every area of our life the freedom that you've brought for us. And so, Father, I pray for my friends here, every single one of these people. Thank you for what you've done in, in our lives. But we pray, Lord, for increasing knowledge of your freedom inside of us, that we might live free in every area of our lives. 
And I pray that you'd show us in the months that lie ahead if there's, if there's subtle things that we're laboring under that are not the, uh, in line with what you've done for us. I pray that we would be bold to deal with those things and to let you come and transform us increasingly from the inside that we might be more and more like your son. And so I want to thank you for that, Lord. I want to thank you for the food that we can enjoy together now. And thank you, even in fellowship, you can still speak to us and encourage us. And so I trust that you do that by the power of your Spirit. And we do celebrate every good thing that you're doing in this church. In Jesus' name we pray.